Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of baptism, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was talking about the baptism of Peter, and I was explaining the transitions that Peter was going through as he discovered that a person is saved not by being immersed in water, being converted to Judaism, and then by believing in Jesus as the Messiah, and then they are able to receive the Holy Spirit, which is salvation. Instead, he discovered that a person can be saved just because they believe in the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, The living God will respond to that, and he will immerse a person with the Holy Spirit himself. And through that, a person will be saved. I was explaining this from the end of Acts chapter 10 and the beginning of Acts chapter 11. In today's program, I'd like to talk about Acts chapter 8 with reference to Philip. The baptism of Philip was very similar to the baptism of Peter. Philip was consistent in his beliefs at this time. Remember that a Gentile could not be saved, or at least the people did not recognize that a Gentile could be saved until after Acts chapter 10. And so in Acts chapter 8, you should expect the apostles to be functioning with this understanding, the understanding that a Gentile cannot be saved until first they are converted to being a Jew through baptism in water, committing themselves to the law of Moses, then believing in Jesus as the Messiah, and then living a life of repentance and obedience to the Mosaic law, all that Jesus commanded. Beginning in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, it says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Now, the Samaritans were recognized as people who were not Jews. They were not recognized as Jews by the Jews. I did a complete study on the Samaritans, two programs on the history of the Samaritans. I talked about the woman at the well who was a Samaritan, the ten lepers, one of whom was a Samaritan, and, of course, the parable that Jesus gave of the Good Samaritan. And I would like to encourage you to listen to those programs. Those are very important and a complete study on the Samaritans. But Philip goes down and speaks with the Samaritans, people who are not recognized as Jews, How are they going to be saved? They are going to be saved by being converted to Judaism first. Then they can believe in the Jewish Messiah. Then they can receive the Holy Spirit. That was the belief at this time. Continuing in Acts chapter 8, verse 6, it says, The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. So there was definitely some divine intervention to show that what Philip was telling the Samaritans was true. In verse 7, For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. There were many miracles performed through the divine intervention of the living God. He is actively participating in order to bring the message of the gospel to the Samaritans 
through Philip, even though Philip did not have a complete understanding of the gospel. That was just fine. The Lord still found a way to use him. This is a very important point to recognize, that you don't have to have it all together before the Lord can make use of you. Beginning again in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. Of course, he wasn't, but that's what people believed. In verse 11, And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Well, of course they were. Of course they were. You should expect them to do that because that was the procedure by which a Gentile was converted to Judaism. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. But as you continue to read, you discover that Simon did not have much of a change of heart. Peter eventually came down and confronted Simon over his desire to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit with money. And so even though Simon was baptized, it didn't do a whole lot for him, apparently. And this is the point. And that is that any lost person, anyone can be immersed in water. Anyone can go through that. I know this might sound surprising to some of you who are listening to this, but it's true. Any lost person can jump in the water or can be put in the water or can be submerged in the water or even sprinkled with a spray gun or a squirt gun for that matter. Any unbeliever can go through that procedure. The procedure itself does nothing for anyone. In fact, when Peter comes on the scene in verse 14, he explains that there is something more that is of greater importance. In Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why would they need to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, because they had not received the Holy Spirit. And is this important? Yes, it is. Without the Holy Spirit, you are dead. You are a dead person. The restoration of the Holy Spirit is the restoration of the life of God. That is the life that we had lost in Adam that has now been restored. And that is our salvation. Being resurrected from the dead is salvation. And no one had been saved, at least as far as we know in these few verses. Perhaps some people were. But according to Acts chapter 8, verse 5, down to verse 13, apparently no one had been saved. Philip went down there proclaiming Jesus. People believed according to the evidence that Philip provided that Jesus is the Messiah. He provided the evidence. He presented the message. People believed they were immersed, but they were not saved. Now, in Acts chapter 2, people got saved through the divine intervention of the living God who just simply saved people. Why didn't he do that here? Why did God not intervene here, as far as we know, if we were to assume that? Why did he not intervene? Why did he not endorse the ministry of Philip, the baptism of Philip? Why did this not happen like it did before? I believe that the reason why the Lord hesitated, I believe the living God hesitated just a little while 
to present the Holy Spirit, he hesitated to intervene in his divine way just long enough so that Peter and John could come down and tell them about the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, so that there would be no confusion that there is a difference between the baptism in water and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe that God provided the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 in order to save people. But in Acts chapter 8, I believe we have the history and the record that the living God begins to distinguish immersion in water with immersion in the Spirit. That's what I believe about the baptism of Philip and the most important part about the baptism of Philip, that it was through Philip, Peter, and John that the Lord began to introduce to people that there is a difference between the two. And he did this by not providing the Holy Spirit immediately upon a person's belief. Now, in Acts chapter 10, he did. But this was after there was a clear understanding that there was a difference between the two. And he exaggerated that point by giving them the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water. So these are the transitions that the early church went through and that the living God brought them through to help them grow and mature in their understanding so that they could handle the message of the gospel a little bit at a time. Because this was a huge transition. Do not underestimate the difficulty that the Jews were going to have, that they did have, in understanding the gospel and recognizing that being a Jew didn't mean anything. That being a Jew was no different than being a Gentile. This was a difficult thing for them to wrestle with. And I believe that these transitions made it possible for them to struggle with it, for them to understand it a piece at a time, so that the Lord could hang on to these people and keep them with him to the extent where they would not look at him as though he was some foreign god of the Gentiles or something. That's what I believe concerning these transitions, that they were important and in many ways they were necessary in order to continue the process of revealing the gospel to the entire world. Continuing in verse 14, this is Acts chapter 8, verse 14, again, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Again, I believe that this was the opportunity that God took to clearly show the people that there was a difference between being immersed in water and receiving the Holy Spirit, that the Lord did not provide the Samaritans with the Holy Spirit yet. He didn't do that until the apostles Peter and John came and prayed specifically so that it would be clear, first of all, that it was different from what they had participated in already, and second, that they would clearly understand that it would require prayer in order to understand that this was an act that God would perform, that this is something that he does. You certainly don't need to pray. We have plenty of examples to show that if you'd like to see some examples. that Yes, sometimes people receive the Holy Spirit after prayer. Sometimes they didn't. And so we cannot say that you always need prayer. We cannot say that you never need prayer. We cannot say any of that. I personally believe that this was done in this way, that the Lord waited for them to pray that people might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, that he did this so that people would understand that only God will save people. 
Now in verse 16, Acts chapter 8, verse 16, at the end of verse 16, it says, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. The Lord Jesus said, go out into all the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Here we have an example where people were baptized in the name of Jesus, which was the same as what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, being baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The words are not what is important. It is a recognition of the true and living God, regardless of what words you use. There is no such thing as magic words. There is only a divine God who is actively participating in our lives. But please see right here that even though they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, they were not saved. Being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus saves nobody, and it is not necessary either, because again, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his household were saved. They received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And so you cannot say that it is necessary or that it is required. You can't say any of that, because there is plenty of evidence to show that the Lord saved people even though they were not baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here, even though they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, they still were unsaved. That that was used, the immersion in water, the identification with the Lord Jesus was used in order to reveal to us what it means to be immersed in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, to be educated in, to be identified with, to know who he is and to understand that he is the only one who can immerse us in the Holy Spirit. He did this through prayer. That is what happened. In verse 17, then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Simon observed this. He wanted to purchase this power with money. And of course, Peter had a number of things to say to him. So Philip provided a message to the people. And Philip had a baptism. The baptism of Philip was the baptism of John the Baptist. It was the same baptism. And even though he baptized in the name of Jesus, it did nothing to save anyone. It was only when people received the Holy Spirit that they were saved. Later, Philip goes and speaks with the eunuch on the road. This was described at the end of Acts chapter 8. Philip did the same thing. He told the eunuch about Jesus, the eunuch was baptized in water, and Philip was taken away to another place. So Philip continued with his message. We don't know to what degree he understood the message of the restoration of the Holy Spirit, but what we do know is that he was effective in sharing what he did know with other people. He did do that. He did tell people about the Lord Jesus and proved who he is, through the prophets, through the scriptures. The eunuch asked to be immersed in water, and Philip accommodated him with regards to this. He did do that. But the important thing to recognize is that without the restoration of the Holy Spirit that only our God can do, without that, no one can be saved. I personally believe that this is probably why we never really heard from Philip again. We don't have any letters written by him like we do the Apostle Paul. Philip kind of disappeared a little bit. It's my opinion that the reason why this happened is probably because he never fully embraced the complete gospel. That's just my opinion, though. Perhaps he did, and we just simply have no record of it. But I do want to point that out, that throughout the rest of the book of Acts, 
we don't have anything more about Philip. We don't have anything more about what he did and who he spoke with. But what we do have is very important, and I want you to understand this, that even though people have had a poor understanding of baptism, people have had an incorrect understanding when it comes to baptism in many ways, even though that has been the case, that does not mean that the Lord cannot work in the hearts of people. I want you to see this, and I want you to understand this, and I want you to appreciate this, that even though you may disagree with me concerning this, even though others may disagree with you and I concerning this, I want you to know that I recognize that the Lord can still work within people, He can still work through people, regardless of the depth of understanding that they might have. I know this, I know this very well, and I personally am very thankful for this. I myself experienced growth and maturity. I know what it is to believe something about the Lord Jesus that isn't true, even though I believe in Jesus. I know what that's like, and I know what it's like to have that corrected. I know what that's like as well. And I know what it's like to go around telling people things that I believe is true, but really isn't. And then to have to go back and tell them, you know what, I made a mistake, and others I couldn't find, and others I just simply was too embarrassed to tell. I know what it's like to struggle with this. I know what it's like to deal with this. And I want you to realize, I want you to realize that even though I had a poor understanding of many things as I was growing, I know that the Lord still performed a work within me, and He still performed a work within other people, regardless of how many mistakes I may have made. And if you personally have experienced this also, and you have been struggling with the fact that you have been telling things to people that you have discovered really aren't true, I want you to know that the Lord can still make use of those things. And He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you in order to save people. He doesn't need you. Everyone will be responsible before the living God. And even though you have made mistakes and you have told people things that aren't true, I know, I know that the Lord will still get His message to people. He will do that. He will be true to Himself because this is His ministry. This is His work. This is what He is doing. So all of the examples that we have here in the Scriptures, I believe, can be given to us not as a means of ridiculing the apostles for their lack of understanding. Absolutely not but for encouragement to us to know that regardless of what we do know, the Lord will find a way to make use of anyone who will worship Him by presenting themselves to Him so that He can make use of them. I have seen this happen myself. I can see this in the Scriptures here. And so I wanted to encourage you with regards to this so that you can be thankful in the midst of the circumstances that you are in. Now, the next reference to baptism that I would like to address is the baptism of the Apostle Paul. The baptism of the Apostle Paul was a very important baptism in the sense that it was a unique baptism. This was a unique conversion that established a separation between the Apostles in Jerusalem and the Apostle Paul. This baptism was a very important baptism, not only because the Apostle Paul was converted It was not only because of that. It was also because the Lord Jesus himself told Paul the gospel, revealed the gospel to the Apostle Paul. To me, this defines the significance and importance of this baptism in comparison with the others that we have seen previously. The Apostle Paul was very different from the other apostles. He was very different from the other disciples and from the other people who were believing in the Lord Jesus 
who were converting to the Lord Jesus, believing in him as the Messiah, and living their lives with that knowledge and with that understanding. The Apostle Paul was very different because he was already fully devoted to a life of repentance and obedience. All of the other apostles before him, all the other disciples before him, were living a general life. They were not really living a religious life as the Pharisees were living. The Lord Jesus reached out to the common people. He reached out to the everyday people. He reached out to people to show them that they needed to repent and obey. And he enforced his message with the miracles that he performed. People were excited about those miracles. They were inspired by those miracles. And because of him and because of his presence, people decided to recommit their lives or to commit their lives to obedience to the Mosaic law. They were not inspired to do so by the religious people, the people who were already devoted to a life of repentance and obedience. They were not inspired by those people, but they were inspired by the Lord Jesus. And so when the disciples believed in the Lord Jesus and the apostles who were sent out by the Lord Jesus to go out into the world to make disciples for him and in his name, when they were doing that, they were doing that in the context of all of the commandments that Jesus gave to them, which were the commandments of Moses. So what was happening was that Jesus was conducting his ministry. He was calling people to the living God to live a life of obedience to the Mosaic law. There were many people who rejected the message of the Lord Jesus, and one of the reasons why was because they felt that they were already obeying the law of Moses and that he was failing to obey the law of Moses. That was the conflict that he had with the religious people in Israel during the time of his ministry. The disciples embraced him, but the religious people did not because they did not feel that he was as obedient as he should have been. The Apostle Paul was different. He was separated from all of the other apostles and disciples because he had already lived a life committed to the Mosaic Law as best as he possibly could and beyond. Beyond in the sense that he would compare himself with other people who were making a significant effort and he was more devoted than they were. So this is a unique individual. Paul was a very different individual. He had already been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, to use that expression. He had already lived a life of devotion to the Mosaic Law. He had already done that. And the Lord Jesus confronts him and says, You don't know anything. You have done nothing. You are not as impressive as you think you are. The disciples, the apostles, had not yet embraced that. This is very important to see, because if you don't see this, you're not going to understand the uniqueness of the baptism of the Apostle Paul. And that is that the disciples, the apostles, were recommitting or committing their lives to obedience to the Mosaic Law. They considered the message of Jesus to be inspirational, to now live in obedience as they should have been, but they were not. The Apostle Paul felt that he was living in obedience, and he has discovered that it is not enough. Now, we understand this very well. If we have been born again, if we have been resurrected, if we have struggled with the issues of law and grace, we know a couple of things. The first thing that we know is that no one can fulfill the demands of the law. 
The second thing we know is that the purpose of the law was to lead us to the point of despair so that we could receive the grace and mercy of God. We also know that the law was given to stir up more sin. It was not given to reduce the sin in our lives. We also know that the law was given to provide us with prophetic foreshadowings that have now been revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know what the law was given for, and we can look at the lives of the apostles and the disciples, and we can see that they were just getting started in their pursuit of the law. They were showing up at the temple in the earlier chapters of the book of Acts. They were showing up there because they were beginning to embrace the commandments of Moses. They were beginning to truly live as the Pharisees and others were teaching them to live, to try to obey all of the commandments. They were beginning to do that. Folks, it wasn't until Acts chapter 15 that they asked the question of whether or not a Gentile should be circumcised and live in obedience to the law of Moses. They never asked if a Jew should be doing that. Of course a Jew should be doing that according to what they believed. That was Acts chapter 15, folks. I'm talking about the earlier chapters. Long before this, they were pursuing something that Paul was coming away from. They were pursuing a life that Paul had already lived. And he knew this. He knew this. You think he was ignorant concerning the ministry of the Lord Jesus? You think he was ignorant concerning the ministry of the apostles? I don't think so. This man was a smart man, and he would have at least investigated. And if he investigated anything, he would see, he would know exactly what I'm saying, that the apostles were approaching the stature, they were approaching the life, they were beginning to walk in the life that he had already been living. So when he got saved... Would you expect him to go to the apostles and ask them for guidance? Would you expect him to go to the disciples and ask them for guidance? Ask them to disciple him in the newfound faith that he has just received? Not a chance. Not a chance, folks. And this is why. This is why he did not go to Jerusalem. This is why he did not go and speak with any of the disciples, any of the apostles. Instead, he received the gospel from the Lord Jesus himself, and he would have known that the gospel that the Lord Jesus told him was not the same gospel that the apostles in Jerusalem were teaching. He would have known that because he would have already heard their gospel. He would have already examined their gospel. He would already know these things. He was the guy who was going to go arrest these people. You think that he would do so out of ignorance? No, he knew everything about what they believed and why they believed it. But I've run out of time in this program, so I'm going to have to explain this and continue with this in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.